so we are back in our series, walking through 1 Corinthians. We are still in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this week, walking through our series where we've been focusing on the individual call to holiness that's placed not only on the individual, but how that call to holiness affects uh, the local church as well. And so Paul is going to continue to write to really challenge the Corinthian Christians to pursue, or better yet, to grow uh, within their own personal holiness. And so this week, we are going to see Paul shift really from his analogy of, of describing the people of God as the field of God to now talking about how we, as the body of Christ, are a building. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, all you have to do is go back and look at our last passage from last week. This was verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul writes, you are God's field, God's building. Now, as we read, we will really begin to see the type of building that Paul has in mind. But before we get there, Paul wants to make sure that the Corinthian Christians and us today as believers in Jesus Christ know how to build a building that lasts. So that's going to be our focus for, that, for this morning, is how to build a building that lasts. So again, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to join me now in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We are going to begin reading together in verse 10. And once you have found your place in the Word of God, if you can and you are able, I would invite you now to stand in honor of that reading. So again, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Now, before we dive into our text, I want us to notice that Paul really begins by saying that he had a hand in laying the foundation for this building that he is now referencing, which is similar to what he said when he talked about how he was the one who helped plant the field and it was Apollos who watered. Remember, we talked about that from a week ago. But Paul, in making this point, wanted to make sure that the church knew and understood what it takes to build a structure or to build a building that will last. Not that that building will always be perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but that it will continue to stand as it is tested. I mean, it's kind of like owning a home today. I would imagine that many of us live in homes that are not made with straw today. That would not be smart living here in Florida. We have this little thing called hurricanes. They will take care of that problem for you. 
I would imagine that many of us are not living in homes built out of hay today. If you were, then may I encourage you to invest in really large kites. Because if you're going to make your home out of something that's not going to last, you might as well also have something that's going to blow you away as well with the wind. Now, I would imagine that that many of us own a home that is safe and that is secure. And the reality is things break in the home. But the goal for the home is always simple. It's to provide a solid shelter that will last and to provide safety and care for our families who live in this home with us. So for Paul this morning, in building a building that lasts, it is clearly of utmost importance how we now build that building. In fact, it was so serious for Paul that he was going to go on to say later, as we saw in our passage, that those who seek to destroy what God has built will be destroyed by God himself. So let's dive a little deeper into our text and answer the following question. How do we build a building that will last? Well, Paul gives us three simple steps on how to build that building. The first step is found in verses 10 and 11 when he teaches us that in order to build a building that lasts, we need a solid foundation. Again, the book will be in verses 10 and 11. Paul says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now notice how Paul starts by, by stating that he helped, or better yet, he had a hand in laying the foundation. Now again, this is similar to what Paul says about the field analogy when he talks about how he is the one who shared in the planting of the field. However, Paul wants to make sure that no credit is coming his way, which is why he opens with saying, according to the grace of God given to me. Here Paul says I don't want any credit. In fact, if there is any credit that is due to what is being planted and harvested, or better yet, in our passage today, in what is being built, the only person who deserves credit should go to the Creator. Why? Because it was God's grace that laid the foundation for the church. Do we understand today that the church exists today and we are here today because of the grace of God? In other words, you are not here and I am not here by accident today. Rather, we are together today because it was God's grace that brought us together for the purpose of worship. Don't lose sight of the work that the Lord has done in getting us here individually and as families in order to gather for the purpose of worship. Now Paul goes on from there in his text and he says that I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Paul simply says for those who are called to continue building upon this foundation, make sure that what you build does not threaten nor compromise the foundation itself. Now again, this was a a word of warning to those who who wish to help 
grow the body. Paul says, be careful what it is that you now build with. In fact, make sure that you are building with with that which aligns with the foundation that has already been laid for the building. This solid foundation that we are now building upon. At this point, I would imagine the Corinthian Christians may have asked after reading verse 10, well, what is the foundation? And as we see, Paul writes, it's not a what, but rather it's a who. In other words, in verse 11, Paul says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. And then he tells us the foundation. He says, which is Jesus Christ. Notice that Paul tells the church that there is no other foundation that can be put down. For the foundation itself is our Lord and Savior. Our foundation as a church is Jesus Christ. Notice how Paul is is bringing the Corinthian Christians and bringing us back today to the gospel. He says it is Christ crucified and and Christ resurrected. Remember, we talked about that a, a chapter ago. That is the very cornerstone of the foundation to which we now build. And as Paul acknowledges, he says, it was I who helped lay that foundation as he was the one called by the grace of God to preach the message of Jesus Christ to the Corinthian Christians. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't want you to miss what Paul is saying in this moment. You see, in order to build a building that lasts, we must make sure that the foundation of the church, the foundation of our very homes, is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. You see, there is nothing that you can build the church on that will last beyond Jesus. Now, this is important to think about because many churches today want to build themselves on everything other than Jesus. They build their foundation upon entertainment. They build a foundation based upon popular music and and feel-good messages, leaving everybody with the, the warm fuzzies when they walk away from the church. But the reality is this. If as churches we don't preach Jesus, then what we are building on will ultimately fail and it will lead people to destruction. As Thomas Schreiner says of this point in his own commentary, he says it this way. He says, if a community is not established on the basis of the gospel, then the community is not a church at all. You see, the only true basis for the church itself is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why we do service the way we do. We want it focused on Jesus Christ and the Word. This is why we sing what we sing. This is why we pray the way we pray. This is why we we have scripture readings in the middle of the service. It's because we want to be reminded of the goodness of Jesus Christ and the goodness of the gospel, which is found in the word of God. So when it comes to our church, if we are going to preach anything, we will preach Jesus. When it comes to our vacation Bible schools and and our student retreats, when it comes to anything that we're going to teach our students and teach our children, we will teach them Jesus. When it comes to our own work, 
If we are going to share anything, let's share Jesus. When it comes to our own homes and and our own families, if we're going to show our families anything, then let's show them Jesus. You see, my prayer is that we would lead our homes and lead our churches to preach and teach the good news of Jesus Christ so that the only foundation that will last for all time will be the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, he says, But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So I want to ask you this morning, as brothers and sisters in Christ, What are we giving people when we talk to them? What are our actions showing people when we are with them? My prayer is that as a faith family together for the purpose of encouragement and edification, but at the same time for the purpose of of proclaiming the gospel, that if we're going to give people anything, if we're going to teach them anything, if we're going to show them anything, then let's show them Jesus Christ. You see, in order to build a building that lasts, it has to be built upon a solid foundation. Paul moves on from there in verses 12 through 15, and he says, not only do you need a solid foundation in order to build a building to last, but now you need strong materials. Read with me again in verse 12. Paul says, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, then he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, then he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Notice how Paul continues with his building illustration in this passage by now focusing us on the materials that are built upon the foundation. So let's just take stock of these materials that Paul is pointing us to. And and really what we can do this morning is we can break them down into two categories. There's category number one, which is the gold and the silver and the precious stones. And then there's category number two, which is the wood, the hay, and the straw. Now this is important for us to note because category one represents materials that are useful to building a strong building. While category two represents the materials that can easily be destroyed when pressure is applied to them or when the fires come that Paul speaks of. Now, what's interesting to note is if you pay attention to what Paul says about category one, these are the same items that are used to build the temple in Revelation 21. We see it was the the same material, the same beautiful stones that were mentioned in this list that became a part of the temple. So clearly, there is a right way to build something. At the same time, when you look over at 2 Peter chapter 3, you see that 
Peter agrees with Paul and what he's saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when he talks about how a day is coming where the Lord will return like a thief in the night and all things will be tested by fire. In other words, here's a truth that we can take away as believers today. Our work and how we build will be tested by the Word of God and will be tested by the will of God. And so we know that category one will withstand the fire and what is built will reveal itself to be made of high quality, whereas category two will be burnt to ash when it is tested by fire. Thus, as Paul says, the work will be burned up and the one who built it, he will suffer loss. You see, when we read this text, we see clearly that Paul states that what we build will be tested. In other words, church, can I say something to you that you need to hear today? What you say and what you do matters. How we lead matters. How we talk to people matters. How we work matters. Nowhere in the Bible do you find anyone called to be a lazy Christian. We call that an oxymoron, by the way. Doesn't exist. Some of you are looking around going, what does that mean? Go back to school, look it up. Cool word. Anyway. (laughs) Men, on this Father's Day, You have the responsibility, the biblical responsibility of leading and faithfully shepherding and serving your wife and your children. How you lead them according to the word matters. And yes, guess what? When the day of trial comes, your work will be tested and you will be held accountable by God. As families, moms and dads today, Grandparents today, aunts and uncles today, adults in the room. Let me just get everybody. We are all stewards of the time that God has given us with our children. And we only have them for a season. And so with that in mind, we need to remember that our work will be tested over time. And yes, God will hold us accountable to what we teach our children and how we lead our children. The same is also true for us as a church and and how we lead ourselves as a church, whether it's in morning worship or it's in time of prayers or whether we find ourselves in discipleship together or even in our gospel communities, how we lead the people around us matters. Do we notice that about ourselves? We continue from there in the text when we get to verse 14 and 15 and we see the results of the testing. And Paul says that if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, then he will receive a reward. Now, please hear me on this. Paul is not saying that we have to work in order to earn salvation. That would be false. Okay, there was nothing we could do to earn salvation. It just came through Jesus Christ by by the love of God the Father, okay? We didn't earn it. It was just given to us. 
So coming back to this passage, I believe that what Paul is saying is that even though we don't specifically know what the exact reward is, I believe that Paul is talking about the satisfaction and the joy that comes from seeing the fruit of our labor on that final day. This literally aligns with what Paul teaches the church at Thessalonica when he says to them in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, he says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to ask ourselves upon hearing this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and then reading the passage in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 14 and 15, when it comes to, to what it is that we are building and if it's last beyond the day of trial, the question we have to ask ourselves is this, who are we now invested in? Who are we now building into? Who are we investing in so that they would grow in the ways and the wisdom of God according to the word of God? I mean, think about your own life for a moment. Think about how you grew yourself. I have yet to meet someone who said to me, Pastor, I grew because of my own personal knowledge and study of the Word of God. You might have grown a little bit, but the reality is all of, all of us have someone in our lives that we can either point to or point back to who helped nurture and encourage us to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. Can you think of who that person may be? Can you think of that person who invested in you when you came to faith? Maybe, maybe, maybe not today, but maybe this week, if that person's still on this side of eternity, maybe you should reach out to them and simply say thank you. Just thank them. Let them know that the, that the fruit of their labor was not in vain. And then maybe one day, by, by God's grace, someone, someone would come to us and, and encourage us in that same way. I mean, think about that for a moment. One of, one of the most encouraging moments to hear is when someone comes to you and says, hey, listen, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the example you set in faith in Christ. I have to tell you personally, I was blown away uh, this past week because I received a message from several students, uh, none of whom you know, several students who I had the privilege and the honor of teaching. Uh, I was their sixth grade Bible teacher. I had them for one year. One year, that's all I got. We had the best year ever. And you know how I know that? Because we were handed a textbook, and I was like, this is Bible class. We don't need no textbook. We got the Bible. And so we just stayed focused on the Word. Now, by the way, I say all that to say, I asked the headmaster's permission. They said, yes, just teach the Bible. I said, excellent, we got this. And so for a year together with sixth graders, we walked through the Word of God. And then the craziest thing happened. Life happened, and a week ago, all of them graduated high school. It was in that moment that I realized, my daughters are correct, I am old. I have been fighting this for so long, and they are right. I am old now. But the coolest thing happened because several of them reached out to me. And they said, hey coach, don't know if you remember us, but we just graduated. And we want to thank you for your investment in our lives and what you taught us according to the word. I gotta tell you, that was the most encouraging thing to hear. And so I say all that to say to you this, 
If there is someone in your life who has encouraged you to grow in the ways of God, whether it's a, a, a parent or a former Sunday school teacher, a friend, someone who is in service that just encourages you, would you just take a moment and, and thank them? Just thank them. And tell them, man, I'm just encouraged by you and you have encouraged me in my faith, and I am thankful for the investment that you have made in my life. At the same time as adults, hear this for a moment. Let's be the type of adults who invest in the life of those that God has called under our care. Now coming back to the text, Paul not only addresses what happens to those who build well, but notice he also speaks to those who build with the materials that'll burn. Verse 15, he says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, this is actually a powerful statement being made by Paul here, because it seems as though Paul is speaking to those whose teaching is really kind of a bit off center here, if you will. You see, they're, they're believers in Christ, but they, they do very little to show that they have any desire to grow. They're believers in Christ, but they, they give minimal effort. So when they teach the gospel, it's not really clear at all to who it is that they are now teaching to. In fact, they may not even be teaching the gospel at all, but rather what they're teaching is, is just their testimony, and they never get to the good news of Jesus Christ. Thus, ultimately, what they build in someone won't last because it's not centered on gospel truth. This is the person who claims to be a believer. The person who says to us, man, I love Jesus, but they never read the Bible. The person who says, I love Jesus, but they, they sporadically show up to be together with the gathered body of believers for the purpose of worship. These are the people who say, I love Jesus and I'm going to sing all these wonderful songs about all these wonderful things that I'm going to do for Jesus. But then they never follow through with them. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, and you've probably heard me say this before, but it's kind of weird to me that there are people in this world who say, I love Jesus, but they never, they never spend time praying. They never spend time reading the Word. They spend a little bit of time singing, a little bit of time showing up at church. You know what that's kind of like to me? It's like creeper status for Christianity, okay? It's like you're creeping on Jesus. Because you don't really know him. You just say you love him and you're looking at him like he's a caged animal. That doesn't make sense. How can we say that we love someone if we're not willing to invest in getting to know them? You see, this type of person that Paul speaks of is the person who doesn't read the word. In fact, their Bible is probably sitting on their nightstand collecting dust. It's probably the person who who probably sits down and, and they're even unwilling to lead their family to the Word of God, lead their family through the Word of God. And here's what Paul literally says to him. He says, listen, sure, you're saved. He said, no doubt, you believe that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. Not denying that. But you're doing the bare minimum. Paul would say, you're like the man who runs from the house that's on fire, and you're covered in smoke, you're covered in ash, your clothes are dirty, and yet the home that you built is now destroyed by the fire that you helped create. You may be covered in grace now, and thanks be to God, but your flaws will be exposed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I believe this is a word of warning for us today that we not 
take lightly the call that we have to continue to build upon the foundation that is Jesus Christ. So whether it's in our own home, whether it's with those that we work with, those that we lead in the church, let's take the call of building with strong materials seriously. Don't take that call for granted. I mean, it's like having a manual when you build something. Okay, I just lost some of you. Let me, let me recap. When you go to Ikea and you buy something, it comes with a manual. A very poor manual, but it's a manual nonetheless. When you go to Home Depot or Lowe's and you buy a new power tool and you have to assemble said power tool, it comes with a manual. Okay? If you're one of those folks who just looks at it and says, I'm going to do this by the box and the picture on the box, don't call me. We're not going to get along. There's a manual. Read that thing. You know, I almost want to ask this question at this point. How many of you guys realize that your car came with a car manual? Don't, don't raise your hands. Don't, please don't. I don't want to know. I really don't want to know. And I only ask that because I have someone in my family who reaches out to me, my mother, and she'll ask me, Johnny, what does this light on my car mean? It's in the manual. Read it. You see, we have a manual that tells us how to live. It tells us what we need. It tells us how to go about life. It, it teaches us that we have a tool for life. And guess what? That manual is the Word of God. And so we have to ask ourselves this morning, what are we building with? Are we building with the Word of God that is filled with materials that will last, or are we building with that which will burn in an instant? And here's the reality. We are the ones who will make that choice. So, Paul tells us in order to build a building that lasts, you have to have a solid foundation. You have to have strong materials from which you can build. And then he gets to verse 16 and 17, and he goes back to this application of wisdom. And he says, not only do you need strong, solid foundations, strong materials, but you need a sound mind. Notice what he says, verse 16 and 17. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now here at this point of the passage, we finally get to the building that Paul has in mind. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Now Paul at this point is not just talking about us as individuals, but rather he's talking about our individual holiness and how that personal holiness builds and impacts the church corporately. Let me unpack what I'm talking about here. If you are in this room right now as a believer in Christ and you don't believe that your walk with Christ have, will have any impact whatsoever, then Paul says to you this morning, guess what? Your walk with Christ does have an impact. Your walk impacts the local church. Your walk with Christ will impact the corporate body of believers. So uh, no pressure, anyone. 
Like we said several weeks ago, we are a spiritual people. Why? Paul teaches us. Because it's the spirit that dwells within us. We know the word because of the spirit that is at work within us. Thus, why Paul circles back to the question, do you not know that God's spirit dwells in you? Paul has already taught the Corinthian Christians this truth, and now he's reminding them again. But pay attention to the wording that Paul uses here. He says to them, do you not know? Again, Paul is appealing to the wisdom, or better yet, the lack thereof, of the, Christ, of the Corinthian Christians. Paul is literally saying to them, shouldn't you know this already? Again, he's attacking the pride of wisdom that exists, that has divided the Corinthian church. I mean, literally think about this for a moment. Have you ever had that moment where maybe it was a parent that came up to you or your spouse came up to you and you knew that you had done something wrong? And you got busted for it. Say it was that thing where you were like, hey, I can pull this out of the oven, no big deal. And you reach into the oven or a pan comes out of the oven and it gets set on the counter and you reach for it. And guess what? It burns you. Why? Because it's hot. Have you ever had that moment where your spouse then looks at you or a family member looks at you and says to you, did you not know it was hot? Have you had that moment? Some of y'all are looking around like you just experienced this recently. Praise God, I'm not the only one. Paul, in this moment, is literally saying the same thing. You could almost picture the Corinthian Christians in this moment when Paul says this, and they say, yeah, and Paul got us with this one. We did know, and we should have known better. But then in the text, Paul continues with a huge warning, and he says in verse 17, he says, and if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. I mean, talk about a word of warning and at the same time, a word of encouragement for us today. Paul says, listen, as God's people, you are holy. Therefore, nothing nor no one can destroy you. Sure, you could be hurt. Sure, you could be wounded. Sure, those wounds may cause some cracks, but we will never be destroyed. In other words, we will never be obliterated. This is good news for the believers in Jesus Christ. However, there is a word, a warning here as well. Paul says, for those who have sought to destroy the body of believers, who have sought to destroy the church, whether intentionally or not, he says this, first of all, you will never be able to destroy the temple of God that he is building up. Did you hear that? Is that Charlie? My God, Charlie, praise God. I'm so happy he's in here. That's the kind of response I'm looking for. <laughs> Jackie's going, don't encourage it. You'll get it every time you ask a question. You're probably right. Here's good news for us today. We live in a world of worry. And one of the things that we get worried about is as Christians, is there going to be a day where, where someone or something or some entity like our government is going to come and shut down the church? You know what the answer to that question is? No. You know why? 
because they can lock the doors to the building, but it will never stop the body of believers from being able to gather. They can they could shut this place down. They could obliterate the building. But it still will not stop God's church from continuing to grow. You don't believe me? Look at the nations. Look at the believers that are coming to faith in Christ in Africa and in Asia, and they don't have a, a building to meet in at all. No one will ever be able to destroy the temple of God. Secondly, a second point that Paul makes in this statement is this, is if you refuse to accept or associate with the corporate body of believers, which is God's church and God himself, then you will be destroyed and the church will lack. In other words, the word of warning that Paul gives us is this, our presence in worship is a blessing. Your presence in worship is an encouragement to the church around you. Don't for a second downplay your presence. Don't for a second downplay active participation in worship and in the study of the Word of God. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, in the middle of all these let us statements, it literally says, and let us not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. Thus, there is a clear call to gather together. Can I just say to you this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ, you never know how your worship one morning will impact and encourage someone around you. So be active. Sing loud. Even if you don't know the song, it's okay. Eventually you're going to figure it out. Stay engaged in the Word. Be a part of discipleship when it happens. Be a part of the gospel communities when they gather. Because just in your presence, even on the days, you don't feel like you can pour into anybody. Your investment by being present will matter to someone who is there. Don't downplay your presence and what that may mean to someone around you. i got to tell you, Every Sunday, you guys don't have the privilege I do. One day, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got my phone. People ask all the time, Pastor, why do you put your phone on the pulpit? It's so I can keep up with time. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. There's a timer on it, and it lets me know when it's time to wind this thing down. Okay, if I don't have this up here, then we may be going well beyond lunch because there's a lot that can be said. Okay, so that's why it's up here. But one day, I'm gonna set this thing up where I can record you guys because I gotta tell you, one of the most encouraging things to me as a pastor is when I look around this room, and by the way, I see you, and I look around, I see all the wonderful things that happen in the midst of the preaching, but it is encouraging when you see people engaging with you in the Word. In the same way, when, the, when, when Corey and the, the band are up here and they're watching you worship, it is an encouragement to watch you worship. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, as your pastor sitting over in the corner, one of my favorite things to do is I like to look around and see people worship. And when I see you engaged in worship, it's an encouragement to my soul as well. So people are paying attention. Our children are watching us worship. Our teenagers are watching us worship. People are coming in, and they may be people that we know that may be discouraged, and they're watching us worship, and they're looking to be encouraged by it. So if you're one of those folks in here, and you think to yourself, man, if I were to walk away from this place, would anybody even notice? The answer to that question is yes. It'll be noticed. It'll be felt. 
then you'll be missed. Don't downplay the importance of gathering together. Thirdly, Paul gives us a third warning here. He says this, and then there are those who seek to destroy God's temple. He said, if that is you, if that is you and you come to a place, you come to a church, you come to a body of believers, you seek to destroy what it is that God is building up, then know this, you yourself will be destroyed. In other words, there will be a day where where those folks who seek to destroy the the gathered body of believers and, and defame the name of God, they themselves will find themselves one day before the judgment seat of God. And on that day, they too will be tested by fire and they will be judged. So brothers and sisters in Christ, do not miss Paul's call to the church here. You, I, we collectively together are all a part of the temple of God. We have all been set apart by God. Know this, sound mind. It is God who holds us together. And we can either accept that call or we can walk away from the call to gather together. But one thing is for certain, none of us will ever be able to destroy what it is that God is building. And if you try, Paul warns. It is God who in judgment who will destroy you. So all that to say is believers in Christ. It sounds, by the way, it sounds horrible for someone to say, hey, God's going to destroy you. Why well, is a believer seeking to build up? I see that as a word of encouragement. I want to say thanks be to God. Why? Because I'm a part of that temple. We're, we together are a part of that temple. But at the same time, in being encouraged as a part of the temple, we are also now called to be set apart. We are called to be holy. So I want to ask you this morning, how are you setting your mind on that which is true? On that which is pure? On that which is good? On that which is holy? Do you know today in your mind, being of sound mind, do you know today that you belong to the Lord and thus as as one who belongs to the Lord, you are now collectively a part of the temple that God Himself is building. Brothers and sisters, let's make sure that we are of sound mind, that we know who we are, we know who we belong to, and thus we know how to care for one another as God continues to care for the temple. You see, as God's people, we are going to be held accountable to teach and to lead faithfully. And the reality is this. In the end, it's going to be God who judges our work. So when we, are, when we present our work, the question is this. What's that work going to look like? I remember sitting in a seminary classroom, and I was getting ready to turn in a paper. And I'm going to be honest with you. I did not do well on this paper. Okay? I had no intent to do well on this paper. And here's what I mean by it. I needed literally a C to make an A in this class. So I wrote a B minus paper. I did. And I turned it in. Didn't, didn't have a lot of sources. Didn't need a lot. It was, it was over 10, 15 pages of fluff. I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. And in my closing paragraph, I ended with the sovereignty of God because that at least gets me 50% credit. Like you can't argue that, right? And so here's what happened. I turned that paper in. 
And I had one of my professors, my professor who was a mentor of mine at the time, took my paper in hand, looked me dead in the eye and said this, are you sure you want me to grade this paper? Right? I thought about it for half a second and I said, no, I do not. I asked him for an extension to which he gracefully gave me. I went to work. I don't know if I've ever spent that much time in our seminary library. It was amazing. And I rewrote that entire paper. And again, B minus was what I was looking for. Ended up with an A plus. Thanks be to God, got an A in that class. Good news for you too as well. I say all that to say this. Are we giving our best to the Lord? And what I mean by that is this. Are we building a building that lasts? When it comes to our own homes, are we building something that will last? When it comes to our own lives and our own personal holiness, are we building something that will last? When it comes to the church that the Lord has called us to in grace, are we building something that will last? You see, when we are building a building that lasts, we recognize that we need a solid foundation. And we recognize that that foundation is Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and Lord. When we build a building that lasts, we then see our need to not only build upon solid foundation, but we see a need to build with strong materials. Not the, not the stuff that melts away with fire, but rather the actual capital T truth that comes from knowing God through knowing His Word. Finally, in order to build a building that lasts, we see that not only do we need a solid foundation, which is Jesus Christ, and we need strong materials, which is found in the manual given to us, which is the word, but we see that we also need a sound mind. In other words, we know that his spirit dwells within us. We know that we are his. We know that we are called to be holy. It's kind of like what our kids talked about this past week as they were talking about the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. They talked specifically about the helmet of salvation, knowing that you are saved. Sometimes you just have to remember and know that you are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Do you know that today? Because here's the reality. No True church is built apart from the truth of the gospel, which promises the forgiveness of sins for those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. So let's build something here. Let's build in this place. And what we build, let's build with the materials that will last. I love what John Calvin says about this particular passage. He says it this way. I probably could actually just read the scripture and summed it up with one simple sentence, and that's what he said. He said it this way. The sum of the passage is this, the passage being what we just read. The sum of the passage is this, that the church must by all means be founded upon Christ and Christ alone. Some of you are looking at me now going, Pastor, you could have just led with that closed out in prayer. You're probably right. But either way, let's get back to the foundation. Let's teach the truth that comes from the word and know that as believers in Christ, 
those who are called to be the temple of God, let's recognize that we are now called to holiness, both individually and collectively as we gather. And let's continue to grow by the grace of God and grow for the glory of God. Let's pray to